Pungal, the volunteers have a sense of gratitude for the people who have helped us get from the idea of being a solopreneur or a fractional executive to um, realizing the the benefits of it in our own life. And, and you just want to give back and help other people sort of find their way if that's the path that's meant for them. And then we start, I think we saw the magic of it last year and said, like, this is this benefits me too, to do this. Like I get so much, we all get so much energy out of creating that space that um, there's a lot of heart that goes into creating the container for these connections to, to happen in. How are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events? so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way. It's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of. That's the question. And the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Pfeiffer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Today, I brought into Green Room Central Studios, Katie Walter, principal and owner of Trellis, a marketing consultancy. In her role at Trellis, she works as a fractional CMO for B2B SaaS and professional services companies. She believes great events and great content go hand in hand and can help businesses connect with their market and build sustainable sales. Katie's also head of programming at the Fractional Conference, and she's coming on the show today for a coaching call to talk about the conference she's planning for entrepreneurs who are fractionals. So fractional CMOs, fractional CFOs, fractional community directors, fractional HR directors, basically senior leadership on a fractional basis for small businesses. Katie, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. Say hello to Lynchpin Nation. Hello, Lynchpin Nation. I'm excited to have you on today because first, we haven't gotten to talk in a while. So selfishly, I'm thrilled to be able to catch up. And second, you've got an exciting event you're planning and you came on for a coaching call today. And I always love doing coaching call episodes. So give it to me. What what are you working on and how can I help? Yeah, so I... um... I am working on the second annual fractional conference in Minneapolis in October. And um, the first year we did it, that was 2023, we had 200 people. Um, The idea, and it came together like lightning fast from the idea happened in April. The planning started in earnest in August and we had 200 people and 16 different sessions across a day and a half by, you know, the end of October. So we like jammed a lot of, um, we jammed a lot of planning into a very short window. And like, we just like, we just ran with it and we ran with it with volunteers. We paid our keynote speakers very little and our panelists and breakout sessions, we didn't pay at all. Um, we sort of had a handful of ideas of what we would want the sessions to be about, but we let the cream rise to the top from, in terms of conversations we had with potential speakers. So we had a, um, we had a, you know, just get crap done attitude about it. And we put out an amazing event. Um, and I led the programming committee for the event and had a great time, loved it. And I've signed on to do that again for 2024. And the thing is, we're thinking, you know, 2024, we'd love to have, instead of 200 people there, we'd love to have 500 people there. And instead of relying on volunteers to put this thing together, we'd like to compensate the speakers. We'd like to compensate the planning committee. Like we're sort of trying to think of this from a more professional 
versus grassroots perspective. And my, I think my, the question I came to you with initially was how do I think about knowing that we're still only in our second year, what's a sort of fair and effective way to think about compensating speakers and planning out speakers and kind of budgeting for the labor that was free last year. Um, but then I'd love to range beyond that into programming in general and, um, and event planning in general, if we get to it. Well, tell me more about what kind of speakers you're, you're, well, actually first question, I always like to ask, like when I have conversations with entrepreneurs like yourself who are planning events, I like to start with kind of the picture it phase, which is why times two is the first thing. So why are you hosting this for the business or in this case, the kind community. of, what is it? A non a community. Yeah. And <clears throat> then why are you hosting it for the people who are coming? Mm-hmm. And so from the standpoint of the conference, and, and is this a, bu- a bunch of fractional CMOs coming together, wanting to, who's in the room? Yeah, great question. So it's, it's, it's fractionals generally. So um, you've got COOs, chief marketing officers, finance professionals, leadership or um, HR professionals. Um, we have a chief community officer on our leadership team. So there's a sort of this expanding notion of what fractional can be. And we talk about it as a permanent seat on a leadership team at a part-time basis. So, you know, it's a more senior position. It doesn't have to be C-level to be fractional, um, but but more you have real responsibility. You're there on an ongoing basis and it's not a, a 40 hour a week kind of job. It's fraction, a fraction of that. And so that can fit a lot of different disciplines and and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And the reason that we pulled the conference together last year was to create a space, um, an in-person space for fractionals who are either considering going fractional or like I've been in it for five years now, wanting to expand their connection and, and learn and continue to grow uh, professionally. So we had speakers um, we had speaker, we had like motivational speakers. So people, you know, you go to a corporate event and you get all kinds of great people talking about how to take care of yourself in stressful situations or how to be your best self. And as consultants, we don't necessarily get that kind of content. So it was, um, Tiffany Maddock from, uh, who used to work at Thomson Reuters back when you and I were both there was our, one of our opening speakers. She was amazing. And she talked about um, thriving as your business keeps changing and like staying grounded, even as the ground underneath you shifts. Um, we had a couple of, we had three different small business owners talk about their journey as small business owners and how, to some extent, how fractionals informed that journey or inform or informed their work and, and supported their work. Um, it was more like an entrepreneur story to build empathy for our end client, but it was like, those were fantastic speakers. And then we had a lot of workshop or panel type sessions around business development, operations. Um, those were the two biggest topics. I think business development and operations are the things that people were most wanting from a content perspective, their own market, how to do their own marketing. Um, so when we're talking about 
<clears throat> picturing it, we've got the who, which is people who are, they're entrepreneurs, they own their own businesses, and they are fractional senior leadership at other yep. business, small business, probably small businesses, mm-hmm. right? And because if the business was larger, they would hire them on full time. Okay. So we've got the who now the why times two, the why for the people who are attending is kind of that continuing education piece that I'm hearing. It's continuing education and it's community. There are a lot of, there are online communities for fractionals, um, fantastic ones that we are really closely aligned with and work with. We're not trying to build a separate community um, from what Fractionals United is doing. Instead, we're kind of working with them, but but that in-person experience is so valuable and we're able to kind of create a gathering space. That's, okay. And that's why so, people attended. I think from an attendee perspective, it was, let me just feel less alone um, mm-hmm. than sort of living in the vacuum of my home office. There are other people like me yeah. doing the same thing I'm doing. And a lot of our content, okay. our programming last year and this year was focused on helping people make very intentional connections across the, um, across functional areas or geographic areas. So we had a lot of time where people were put at small groups to work through the content that they had, had just heard. They could sit down and process it with other people and start to build like meaningful connection and dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I think community and learning are the big reasons that people showed up for that. The reason that we put it on, I think, I think all the volunteers have a sense of gratitude for the people who have helped us get from the idea of being a solopreneur or a fractional executive to um, realizing the, the benefits of it in our own life. And, and you just want to give back and help other people sort of find their way if that's the path that's meant for them. Um, so it was, and then we started, I think we saw the magic of it last year and said like, this is, this benefits me too, to do this. Like I get so much, we all get so much energy out of creating that space that um, there's a lot of heart that goes into creating the container for these connections to, to happen in. Mm, That's beautiful. So I'm hearing that for the volunteer army, I, I usually like to ask people if it's an enrollment event or if it's a fulfillment event. And I think that in this case, you're not making an offer at the event, right? right. The event is the fulfillment yeah. of the offer. And so we're going to call this a fulfillment event where there's, it's not leading to anything else because it, this is just like a volunteer group putting this on yeah. for your community. And so I'm guessing that the revenue that you bring in from ticket sales is what you want to use for paying for all the things and that breaking even is the goal here. Is no, that be a safe I think assumption? That we're looking longer term at this being a revenue opportunity for, for the leadership team. So I guess last year it was definitely like all heart this year. It's I love doing this and I want to do this, but in order to sustain to make it sustainable within my kind of within my business or within yeah. my life. Like we need, there needs to be compensation for the organizers. There needs, and, and we need people who are, we need to rely less on a volunteer army and more on sort of dedicated resources. 
Yeah. Have you considered making an offer at the event? So the things that we could offer, um, the different partners have paid offerings, whether it's a leveling up within the Fractionals United community or um, our founder has a fractionals train, fractional training organization that's separate from the conference. So he makes offers there, but there's not, there's not an enrollment into an ongoing paid community that's just the fractional conference. Okay. That could be a way to monetize at a higher level and be able to drive some revenue so that it's a little bit more sustainable for this currently volunteer group. Yeah. Because it is it does tend to be hard to drive a lot of, shall we say, uh, profit from an event that's solely based on, like the revenue is solely based on ticket sales. Yeah. Did you do sponsorship? And I, I mean, I could picture a community. I could picture a membership very easily yeah. coming off the back of this. And, and kind of only and also serving to sustain the appetite to come back together, you know, the following year and like yeah. tighten making that community feel more tight knit. Are you or even a small group coaching program that's a higher ticket than a, a membership? So we've got ticket sales. Are you did you do sponsors last year? Is that mm-hmm. up for consideration we did. this we had year? A small sponsorship. Okay income stream and we're looking to start earlier this year so that we can um, get to people before their budgets are set. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That helps me understand. So it really potentially could be an enrollment event, uh, but we're going to put this, the lens on that this is purely fulfillment and people are paying to attend. So you talked about your main question being compensating the planners and speakers. And I'm wondering, do you have, do you have a number in mind for compensation of the planners that you're targeting that so that, you know, like, Hey, if we were able to drive this amount of profit and be able to distribute it to all of the planners on this kind of volunteer, currently volunteer army, right. uh, it, it would make us feel like we could continue to do this without resentment and it would be worth our time. Do you, do you already have a number put to that? We have, we have levels of numbers. Like there's one number, I would say if you're sitting in the leadership team and taking full responsibility for one realm of the conference. That's one number. There's a sort of second tier and then there's a advisor advisory tier. Um, so we have numbers in mind for that. Okay, good. I think that's a good place to start so that you can back into, like I have a break even point formula that I like to give my students that helps them understand like, at, at what point do we, do we get there? And if you don't have the vision for what that is, it's, it's hard to know if, if you've arrived. Well, and we've talked about what are the levels of, is there a base compensation that gets factored into the costs? And then there's a separate, like there's profit sharing after, like, we don't Mm -hmm. want the planners 
compensation to be sold, like solely calculated on profits. Like we want a fully loaded view of how much this event costs to produce, including all the labor that goes yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just doing that work for a couple of clients yesterday on a couple of different events, putting together the budget, kind of all the categories and I think for, well, actually I think for both of them, it was eye opening the conversations that we had afterwards. Like, wait, what? It, I, I, I thought it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be like this amount, but it's really like this amount, which is much higher than I thought. Well, well, everything that you said that you wanted, this is what in real numbers that costs. And, and they were able to look at it and go, well, yeah, I guess that does make sense. It, it would be all that. And so I do, and perhaps I could share my budget template with you, but you have such a great, probably jumping off point from last year, you already know, but I like to, to make sure people have gone through all the categories and really flushed out what's their and that's part of the whole kind of picture at phase is like, what's the vision that you have for the type of experience that you want to deliver to these guests of yours who come and, and then do the work of pricing that out so that, you know, and in this case, you're going to be putting in, in the staffing line, that base compensation for your currently volunteer army. And, and then I like what you said then about a profit sharing model above that. So that's good. Uh, so that, that would be my first piece of advice is really flushed out if there's all of your wish list items so that you really have a flush out the vision so that you can then price it. I always like people to price it before they decide what their budget is for the event, because yeah, I, I think there's, there's like just always resentment that happens if you get to a thing, and you're not able to do it because you didn't plan for where the revenue was going to come in to pay for the thing. So, so we talked about compensation for planners. You said you have a number in mind and then it would be profit sharing above that. Let's talk about speakers and what your vision is there. Are you thinking that, because in where I initially go is, yeah, wouldn't it be great if you were able to bring in a paid big name speaker? Right. And maybe that would be in that anywhere from 15 to 75,000 range, right? To get someone a bigger name and kind of with a really powerful, strong message specific for this group. And then, but my, my head goes, gosh, you've got so much talent in the room and the, the type of people coming to this conference are probably all heart-centered entrepreneurs who have uh, ideas to share and you could definitely crowdsource all of the rest of the speaking needs that you have. And I, I don't know that they would need anything in return. And perhaps that's naive of me, but. Uh, well, I think that's what I'm I, trying to get my head around is, uh, you know, not asking people to give away their expertise versus this heart-centered entrepreneur idea. And, and I, I don't know, like we want to be fair and we want to, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I guess I've heard of so much backlash against saying, would you come speak? It'll be great for your exposure. And people don't like that as a, as in return for, for cash money. And I, what are the dynamics around that? Cause yeah. it's awkward. So, well, so that works really well when the audience is their target audience and then it becomes a win-win. 
especially if they're have permission to share how people can get in touch with them afterwards. I mean, I never advocate for a pitch fest where every speaker has an opportunity to share an offer. That's not good for the audience. But in this case, I don't think for the most part, I mean, you might, you might have some connections being made in the audience. Like, Hey, I, you know, you're, you Katie are a CMO and you might be privy to the fact that your audience, your your business owner that you work with currently needs a CFO and you could be making that connection at the conference and able to bring them in and like start that conversation. And that could be a win. I could see that happening, but I don't, I don't know that there's, it's, I don't know that it's that type of a win-win for a speaker to set aside the time. But what I, I think you could do that isn't quite cash money, but is say like your entrance into the conference is completely free and we're paying for your hotel and travel to get here. Right. And that seems like, and perhaps like a networking dinner just for speakers the night before. And it's nice. Yeah. Or the night after something like something like that feels and then perhaps a a gift card on top of that that they weren't expecting yeah but just like as a nice gift that feels I mean you could kind of feel that out with your board but that feels very I mean that that's not cheap what I just described no and but I think for someone who's an entrepreneur who's typically doing like a lone wolf type of gig in their own home office, that that is, does feel like a pretty generous offer. And you might be having people who are applying to, and you could do that on an application. And I'd recommend that of apply if you'd like to be a speaker and what topics would be a right fit for you and know that this is what we're able to offer. Yeah. And then people are volunteering and applying well, and let me just saying, have an answer hand. from the get-go. Like we figured out ahead of time, this is what we're offering. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And and then and then if you get nobody, you realize, well, I guess that wasn't the right idea. And so and you don't have to advertise that it didn't work and nobody nobody applied. Uh, and then you just try another route. But I, I have a hunch that that could be really good good because I, I think it might be a little bit much to ask all of you on the kind of like the executive planning committee to be speaking and doing the planning work right that's the route you decide to go you could also just outsource the planning and then your board can be the speakers but I wouldn't probably combine the two I think it's kind of a big lift got it and yeah. how So last year, I'll tell you how we went about finding speakers and session topics last year. We had a list of people who had at some point said to the founder or one of the other board members, I would love to speak at this thing. And then I went and Mm. talked one-on-one with all of them, looked at a bunch of feedback and survey results from our prospective audience, and then sort of crafted an agenda based on that, which was a lot of work, but it paid off. Like it was really good. Is there a, Mm -hmm. the sessions were really good. 
what's the best way to streamline that so that we're still getting the magic, but we're putting more of the onus on the potential speakers? Mm -hmm. I do advocate for meeting one-on-one with, if you can, with every speaker. I've seen to, to kind of make it the best yep. you know, session it can be. I do, I have seen where there's a recorded video message that goes out to all of the speakers and they have to watch it before they have, and then, so they have to watch that and maybe that's from your leadership team or something. And then maybe someone else who isn't as strapped for time then has a call like as a group with all the speakers to kind of flush out takes more of a team approach topic selection like even Mm -hmm. before they're appointed they've been put in a speaker seat like how do you go about researching the universe of potential speakers yeah so i like to use i like to use the phrase people support what they they create and so you already know who your people are who are going to come and to and part of the job of running a conference is to build the hype for the conference. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, if you haven't already downloaded that guide that's on my website, the 107 ways to filling an event, there's a lot of like hype building ways in there. And one of the ways is going out to them and asking, well, what do you want to learn about? Uh, and just tell us, kind of the top three topics that you want to hear about. And if you want to make it work for yourself, you could, a lot of work, you could just give three open text boxes. And that that makes it really hard to call through all the results. But you get some, I I love hearing directly from the horse's mouth, like, because that's great marketing language too. Like, what are the words? Like, what's the story that's already going on in their head? Because we never want to start a new one as marketers, right? Right. And so- it's marketing gold for the conference itself. If you have those open text boxes, but I will caveat, that's a lot of work to go read through all them. Or you could put a list of 25, 50 topics, whatever, and have people like select their top choices and go from there. But I, I would do that because that does build hype for the conference and starts the conversation like, Ooh, there's going to be another one. And yeah, I get to help decide what it's going to be. So I would try that and then whittle it down. And then you could even go out to them again after you've made a a smaller list. And I imagine that, and then what you could do is when you do that application and then you could do it. Yeah, actually you could do the first one where you ask for topics and then you could, if you need to have a second round where you're like, okay, now, and that was open text box. And then the second one is a list of, actual topics that you've kind of whittled down from those open text boxes. You go out to your audience again and you ask them, all right, now, now what are your top three to five? And then now you've got an even smaller list and you go out a third time. You say, okay, now what we're needing from you is we're hearing that these are the topics that we need to have on the agenda for the 2024 conference and we are now open this up for applications for speakers. And here's what we can offer you in return for speaking. And 
what I'd like you to do now is submit an application on and tell us which topic that you would speak on. And then a few kind of sub points that kind of put your own personal twist on it and share that application with us if you're interested. And I think that, or whatever you, in that application, put more of what you would have, more of the questions that you would have had in that one-on-one Zoom call with the presenter, with the potential presenter in the past. So just kind of try and automate as much of that. Think back to what you did in that conversation and how could you scale that and automate it? I love that. Yeah, because yeah, then it like it gives us something to talk to the whole. We have a LinkedIn mm-hmm. group for this of attendees, Perfect. so we already kind of have a an avenue to get back to our attendees. Mm-hmm. It's not just email, and we have um, it gives us something a reason to talk to them for the every few weeks for the next couple of months before we open up registration. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, uh, and then in all of those calls, you, what I love to do is don't just open up registration, open up a wait list. Oh yeah. Because then you're collecting more names and emails that you may not have already. And then tell them that you're going to, and that could even be on the thank you page of each of these surveys. And with a share link to the people that they want to come with because it's going to be more fun to come to the fractional conference with a friend. And I would be adding people to a wait list and then telling them the reason why is because you're going to open up priority access. It's like it will sell it. It's sold out the first time. It will sell out this time. We're opening up more, even more spots this year, but it will sell out again. And we're going to give two, three days of priority access to the wait list to secure your spot before we open up to the general public. And you know how much fun the first one was. I don't want you to miss this next one because (laughs) to be honest, the first one we, you know, just kind of like threw together and this one we're spending a whole year on and it's going to be absolutely incredible. So uh, that's the process I would take uh, in this lead up is driving people to a, a wait list. Love that. Having them share it with the people that they we know. We do already have, I think the registrate we real the registration page is actually open already because we oh, did okay. a we did a immediate post conference sale mm. last year at right after the conference. But I feel like we could it's not getting any activity right now. So we could shut it down. Yeah, close it. Close yep. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if anybody is thinking of doing that in the future, I highly recommend selling next year's at the current one. Uh, for the earliest bird yeah. best price ever, but then shut it down. And then you have another reason, you know, just gives you another reason to talk about it again when it's going to open up, open up. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about um, formats of sessions? So last year we had, there were two different types of sessions. There was one that was, you just have a single speaker, a keynote speaker, or one person on stage for 45 minutes, or we had panels it was like four or five people on stage, but they were all, you know, a person or people talking at the audience. And then the session ended and the audience left. And then they went to another session that was more information coming at them. Do you have 
suggestions for other types of session formats that can still feel like content rich, but not be so much uh, people consuming content? Yeah. So I think the environment that you and I come from, why we know each other um, is an environment that back in corporate, our corporate days is an environment that does not have what's typical in a entrepreneurship or a, a personal development conference. And it's like a hundred percent content delivery and leaves no space for purposeful networking and integration and workshopping. And that's the kind of stuff that makes people feel seen, heard, and celebrated and makes people feel like they got value out of what they just went to. And they weren't just kind of like thrown up on for four days. So what I like to recommend is that see if you can see if you can pull out like 30% of the time and and it's it's not going to happen in a big chunk it's going to happen in little bitty chunks so love for you to deliver the content and then say okay now what's going to happen is you're going to when when i when i tell you go you're going to you're going to stand up and you're going to get in group of groups of 5 and what you're going to do is you're going to share uh, one thing you learned from this last session and one thing you need help with. And I, and like, and tell us your, sometimes I don't even like to do this, but you could, I have like a whole list of the types of questions you could ask in these, like, but I would pick two to three things for them to share. It could be like, um, your name and where you're from and what type of fractional you are. But you do that and everyone gets three minutes and you would be so, so you tell them like, you tell them what they're going to do, what what question, like what questions they're going to answer, like everyone's job. And then you tell them, how much time each person gets. And then just like as if you were in a virtual, in a Zoom, you would also then be prescriptive and say, okay, and um, the person with like the darkest shirt is the timekeeper and, uh, or or is it timekeeper? And I think that's it. And then sometimes we would put the the time on the, the big screen in the room. Uh then you you say, all right, ready, go. And now you've just said like groups of five, right? So, and we said three minutes each. So now we've got 15 minutes and that sounds absolutely absurd to say, I'm going to take a 15 minute chunk out of my agenda right here before I go move on to the next panel or the next keynote. I'll tell you, there is so much magic in there when they're, they're, integrating what they just heard by sharing, okay, what did you just learn in that thing? And then um, what's one thing you need help with? And that kind of like instantly uh, takes anybody who's kind of an introvert or doesn't know, came without knowing anybody 
and puts them into this like place of power and gives them the opportunity to like talk and feel seen, heard, celebrated. And the conversations that happen where when you, when you, I just saw this post on uh, Instagram. So a, a teacher said, this is a perfect example of why this works in a conference is a, a teacher had gave every student a balloon, blow it up, write your name on it, throw it out in the hallway. And so imagine, you know, just like tons of classrooms and like just the hallway just filled with balloons. And I said, okay, now five minute timer, go out and find your balloon. And so everyone goes out in the hallway, finds a, uh, and no one finds their balloon in five minutes. And then I said, okay, go back in your classrooms. All right, now I'm going to set another five minute timer. And I want everyone to go in the hallway and uh, pick up a balloon and the whoever's like name it is go find that person and so then everyone starts like talking to each other because they're helping someone else find their balloon yeah right and that's what we're and and in less than five minutes they were all like reunited with their person and that's what we're doing here is like we're advocating activating people to advocate for each other because if i say katie there's some after hearing that topic, it, it's really like what really spoke to me was this, like I learned this thing, but I'm also feeling like now I need help, like doing this. And I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And it's not about finding the answers like right there in the moment. Cause there's only you know two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever we decide is the time per person, but it gets these conversations going and starts planting seeds in other people's heads of what other people are looking for or needing and it might not even be in relation to the topic, but it might just be a light bulb that went off in that session. But if you do enough of those, maybe a couple in the morning and a couple in the afternoon, wow, people just feel like they met so many people. And, and like, you could also say, like, you can't be in the same group, like, yeah. as you were before, like, go find new people. And that is magic to, but that's, that's just one idea of ways that you can get people to be like not just sitting there listening and being an active, but also it's training your, your presenters to have like active listening kind of tactics, like we woven throughout their presentations. So those are two. Those are great. I love that. Have you ever gone to a personal development seminar like a Tony Robbins or a Brendan Burchard or a, no, or even an Aspire tour. Nope. Yeah. I would highly recommend it because you'll see different. It, the world that we came from is so different from the world of entrepreneurial conferences. And there's, I, I think I think that that is, you know, I had somebody ask me, I was, uh, someone asked me once uh, about kind of the difference between being an entrepreneur versus being in corporate. And it's like, there, there's such a tight, there's such a way of doing things in corporate. And the only thing I could, the way I could describe it, it was when you're an entrepreneur, it's like anything goes. Right. <laughs> And, but it's hard to know what anything goes, looks and feels and sounds like if you haven't gone. And, but for me, I'm, I'm like a really visual learner and seen it and been like, oh my 
gosh, this is so different. Mm-hmm. And, but I think the, the ticket is getting people talking to each other, but it has to be, it has to have, so what you always have to remember is like the person on stage is in charge of leading the room. And there's like a sense of chaos and like unease when they're not taking charge and being prescriptive. Yeah. And so that's why I said the person on stage is going to share, okay, here's what's going to happen. When the buzzer goes off, you're going to find five people. You're going to get yourself into a group. You're going to be standing. There's going to be three minutes per person. You're going to answer these three questions. When the buzzer goes off, it's, it is the next person's turn. And go like but you're you're telling them what to do people love people don't want structure they don't think they they don't think they don't want structure but actually structure is what gives us that sense of peace and calm and ease right knowing that like it it, the world isn't in chaos so people don't actually want they will not get as much out of like a okay now we've got a happy hour for an hour and just like network with each other you'll have a a very large segment that will just talk to the same group. Right. And then you'll have a big segment that will be like me. Who's so introverted that I will not get anything out of it because I will just stand by the side of the room unless somebody comes and talks to me. And so I found that all types, all walks of people really thrive when there's specific, like a box put around the networking time or the workshopping time. That is something like most people read books, but they don't take the time to do the journaling exercise. And that's a nice thing for a presenter to do. If you're going to do one of those segments uh, that I just described, you know, you have five people, three minutes each answer these questions. Well, right before that, what you could do is play some journaling music and have the presenter ask them to answer those same questions they don't know it's going to be the same. They don't know what's happening next, but like answer these specific questions about the topic. And so they're really workshopping like in the moment, just by themselves thinking through processing what they just learned and these, you know, answering these specific questions. And then that maybe that's five minutes, maybe that's 10 minutes. And then you go into what I just described and have those same questions be the questions that you're sharing the answers. And it's really powerful because now they've had workshop time and then now we're like integrating it and meeting new people and getting support. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And imagine if you did that X number of times in the conference, like if, it, it, even if it was like four times in one day, you've now met. And if, if you did it in groups of five, you could do it in groups of three. It's kind of all is flexible, but let's say it was groups of five. I've now met what, um, eight, 16 new people in a really like, deep, meaningful way because you're the, you're now orchestrating conversations that are not surface level. How is the weather? Isn't Minneapolis fabulous today? Love being here in June right. to, and, and not even uh, strategic, like how's business, but 
more values-based, like what do you want out of life and your business and where are you really going and what are you dreaming about? Like if you're asking questions at that level and then you're having people talk about that, that's, that's where the magic happens. That's where people feel like I just left Disneyland. I left, I just left a campfire with my best friends where we were like just having deep, meaningful conversations. And I, I I just had the best time. That's awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. So what, what advice would you have taking an event from 200 to 500 attendees? Mm. That's a big jump. And first celebrate you for getting 200 in the room the first time, because that's, that is like a rare unicorn thing. Thank you. So that's awesome. And, you know, it's obviously more than doubling. And so logistics are your friend here. And also, yeah, you're going to need more infrastructure on the planning side, on the ground, like during the event than you did before. And you might do kind of volunteer army there Mm -hmm. and pay for people's tickets in return for staffing a registration desk or helping pass out stuff or helping people find their seats or whatever your, your list of jobs are. I think that might be a good, a good idea. But I, I, I think from a marketing standpoint, you just, you know what you did in order to get 200 and you're going to have to do much more in order to get 500. And so, but you're a marketer. <laughs> I know you'll figure that out, right. but it's, it's just that be prepared for that like level of more that is going to be required because you're not do you have an existing community that is larger than the attendee body from last year? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I wouldn't, and I would encourage a bring a friend campaign of some sort, because I do think this could be a good candidate for that. I, you might consider listening to the episode on that. I I think it's called, why your event needs a pre-launch runway with Ashley um, Stanford, I believe. And she does talk about there's some, you could do it manually. There's also software that you can buy and plug into your thank you page that allows for people to almost like build an affiliate army for you. Yeah. Well, cause some of our speakers asked about that last year, if they could get an affiliate link and we just didn't, we weren't set up for it, but that's something we're thinking about for this year too. Yeah. You could create a, an affiliate program where people are getting compensated. That, that is a thing. Or at least yeah. they have a link they can give away to their network. Like sure. instead of them getting compensated, they were saying, can we give a 10% discount to my network? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't love discounts. I love bonuses. Yeah. <laughs> so because and we're just like undercutting the value that's in the room. <clears throat> I love it when and this is another potentially uh thing you could throw in for speakers is if they want to be a speaker and be an affiliate, you could offer them the opportunity to 
get so have you do you pay attention to funnel hacking live with russell brunson no so the way he because he's getting like five thousand people in a room and the way he does it masterfully is he does have a quite a lineup of speakers that are already decided that once they're decided then he'll have something like a live stream with that speaker and they'll they'll talk for a half hour an hour the whole time they'll be weaving in that that person is going to be a main stage or or side stage presenter at funnel hacking live that it's a you know everyone knows that's a huge deal that's in this the funnel hacking community that's click funnels is this it's a software and they will usually share a bonus in that live that's available that the speaker is providing for people who sign up and that gives it's a way of a little bit of a promotion of that speaker and what they do and how they help people and and it uh and it could help activate their community of friends or community members because they're like, oh, I do want that thing from that person that they've, they've never offered that before. I want it. So I'm going to go get a ticket ticket to Funnel Hacking Live because I, I want that thing. And that's, that starts to stack. And then it's, it's all the more reason for all other attendees, potential attendees to sign up. And then they're pulled, you know, they're time sensitive Mm -hmm. and that stack goes away. So that could be a way of, that could be another carrot for a potential speaker and and a way you could build the hype by having those conversations starting whenever you nailed down a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. And then they could have their own affiliate link. Yeah. Yeah. See if there's some sort of creative way you can do it without discounts, but by adding bonuses that are just for. uh, That's like bonus content from the speaker. Yeah, it could be like, I I would probably be like a bonus digital something. So it's like, there's no cost to fulfill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you could also another random, but another way to drive revenue would be to add um, a VIP Ticket, do you just have one ticket level right now? Right now, yeah. Yeah, at a VIP. And usually you can charge like like double or triple what you were charging for the other one. And, uh, you know, there's a portion of every audience that sees themselves as VIP and would like <clears throat> yeah. priority seating and would like access to maybe it's a special speaker in a private Q&A or just even... In this case, there isn't like branded. I, I usually like to offer three things in the VIP package uh, and have them be different. Like, for example, one could be priority seating, one could be some sort of digital product, and one could be swag, or it could be a Q&A like lunch. If you're not providing food, then the VIP gets lunch. And perhaps private Q&A during that time with speakers. Yeah. But it's a great way to make more money. Yeah. That's a great idea. 
Mm-hmm. And then I would, I do always recommend that you have four tiers of pricing and they go, you know, start at early bird and they go up. <clears throat> and that gives you four reasons to, or actually eight reasons to go out to your audience and be like, okay, the, we're at early bird right now, but it's only for this long. And then early birds almost closing, get in and okay. And then you raise it again and yeah, you, so just, it's you all about like excuse for each of those periods. Like you have that amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. You can do, but how have... much, like, do you need to have the agenda set before you raise the, no, you don't know. You, I don't, you never have to give an away agenda. <laughs> You, yeah, I, I, so many of the events I've gone to, you, uh, we've, yeah, I've, I've never known the agenda other than the start time and potentially the end time of the day, but usually not even that. Like we're just, it's, it's an all day thing. Block your calendar and it starts to be in the room at nine thirty. Yeah, and that's, that's it. That's all I know, and I'm still all in and super excited. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just realized we're already at time and I can't even believe that that, that happened. That went so fast. I feel like we could go <laughs> keep talking. Is there anything else that you want to ask me? Because I know you, you've got a day to get to. I don't want to keep you too no, long. Is, is there great. anything I... else that you want to ask me? Not, not yet. Okay. Well, you know how to find me. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much. Oh, you're welcome. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast. If you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram and be sure to tag at Sarah Faithler and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll help me know what to create for you. The number one thing I'm asked by CEOs, whether it's their first event or their 20th, is Sarah, how do I get more butts in seats? And so I put together a guide for you. Head over to fillingevents.com for your free copy of 107 Ways to Fill Your Event. I want to help you quickly master event marketing for your events, even if you've never done it before. I've scoured the online business world and found 107 of my favorite strategies working right now to fill your next in-person or virtual event. Create the event promotion plan you need from these easy to implement, customizable strategies for free over at fillingevents.com. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going, keep learning. If you want more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode.